This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Cardiology and Heart Surgery Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Jim Stidham, President of Healthcare Management Associates of Birmingham, Alabama. Jim, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Well, thank you, Laura. I'm uh, thrilled to be here with you. Well, I know we've got a lot to talk about today, but before we dive into our discussion, could you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background? Uh, yes, um, thank you. Uh, since 1986, I have served as president of Healthcare Management Associates, and I presently work with uh, research and planning consultants located in Austin, Texas. I hold an MBA and was the first class to sit for uh, CASC uh, in 2002. I have developed uh, over 60 surgery centers in 11 states, and now I assist clients with the development and operations, including the writing of certificate of need applications and providing expert testimony in various CON projects and legal disputes. Our clients have included corporate entities, physicians groups, health systems, and academic health systems. We uh, have specialized within ASC since the early 80s, and in addition, we've uh, developed and operated reference laboratories, physical therapy, diagnostic centers, and we owned and operated physician practices. But most recently, we've been involved in a single specialty cardiac ASC located in Alabama and a couple of multi-specialty centers, one in Tennessee. And we are presently working with a large health system to convert from a ownership model to a physician joint venture, which has been really quite exciting to see that transformation. I can imagine, you know, it, it's definitely um, been quite an evolution in healthcare, um, especially over the past few years. And, you know, I'm really interested to hear your perspective on outpatient cardiology as well. I know, you know, a lot of the people in the healthcare space are keeping a close, close eye on that. So what are your top priorities today and how do you see them evolving in the next 12 months or so? Well, first of all, I think the movement of cardiac procedures from uh, acute care hospitals into a freestanding ambulatory surgery center is definitely a natural progression. Whether it is an existing ASC that goes through some construction modifications or it's a de novo center, I think it will really lend itself well to uh, this particular vertical market. I think as we talk about the progression, it's important to recognize that the American College of Cardiology and the Society for Cardiovascular Intervention and Angiography, and I'll refer to that as SKY, all support this conversion to the outpatient uh, PACE providers. CMS in 2020 started paying for PCIs or percutaneous injuries interventions, which other payers have followed suit. I think it's a great opportunity for surgery centers to look at this specialty, but it doesn't come without its challenges. The biggest is this is the last bastion of profitable service lines for hospitals that haven't had any impact from outside providers. So they are fighting very 
strongly, strenuously to maintain uh, this market share. Now, uh, I think there are a couple of major challenges, operational challenges as well as regulatory challenges that a ASC administrator or owner of a facility has to consider when deciding that they want to go down this road. So if we look at it, the conversion of an ASC, uh, multi-specialty or single specialty to do a cath lab or building it out of the ground. There are some very unique issues with the catheterization lab including size. It takes about 600 square feet in a cath lab for all the support equipment. There are some big electrical requirements and an administrator needs to kind of really view his, his or her physical plant um, and make the decision if they want to expand into this. The probably Staffing is an area that I would next want to look at. Cath lab uh, personnel are highly trained, and you can't put just anybody in them uh, to operate and assist the physician. Uh, so they're very highly specialized. Absolutely, yeah. Trans- you know, I think you've gone through a lot of different um different issues. And, you know, I, I'm just curious uh, along those lines, when you think about that transformation um, into the outpatient ASC setting, um, especially, you know, what it takes not only from a um, infrastructure standpoint, but from a staffing standpoint, is it, you know, it, does it make more sense just to develop the center on its own or can um, ASCs reasonably add some of these new um, heart procedures um, into their existing infrastructure? Well, I think they really can. Uh, If it's an older center uh, with smaller ORs, they're going to have to figure out the space requirements are are probably the biggest issue, Uh, the patient flow through there. I would um, venture to say that because of the fixed cost within an ASC, modifications would be the best way to go. Uh, You know, a highly trained architect working in the team approach. Uh, But the infrastructure is really secondary to patient care issues, as I see it. Got it. That that makes a ton of sense. Um, You know, and, and for those just patient care issues, um, what do you really see as being um, something that ASC owners and operators should think about as they are considering developing or adding um, outpatient, you know, cardio procedures to their surgery centers and hospitals as well, you know, when they're sending those types of procedures to um, HOPDs? Well, it, Sky uh, and the ACC wrote a positional paper that I would highly recommend everybody uh looking at because they talk about patient safety, required equipment, procedural uh, issues, and such as you're required to have a transfer agreement with a hospital that has an open heart program. 
and it has to be within 45 minutes travel time from your facility to uh, the open heart in case of an emergent situation. Now, as we know, Medicare has no longer required a transfer agreement between outpatient surgery centers and uh, a hospital. But in this case, the regulations are very clear. You must have one. So somebody has to look at that issue. Uh, changing and modifying your CQI program uh, to meet the new guidelines and some of their uh, requirements. Uh, for instance, you must participate within a registry, have enough volume, I think it's 250 cases a year to have an active program. There is also some financial considerations and operational issues. For instance, you are going to dedicate one room to a cath lab. It's not, it really doesn't lend itself to anything else. So if you have a cardiologist that isn't going to do at least 250 procedures, then it doesn't make financial sense in that your remodeling costs are about $350 a square foot for construction. And then between the actual cath lab and all the support equipment is just short of a million dollars. So when you do your financial analysis, those kind of numbers really dictate where you will go and if this is a viable operation. Got it. That makes a ton of sense. Thank you so much, Jim, for laying that out for us. Now, how are you thinking about outpatient cardiology growth in the future and and what other challenges do you see? I know we've gone through some of that, but are there other issues that you see arising that could really hamper um, the growth of outpatient cardiology? Well, I think it's the regulatory side that will deal us the most and has dealt us the most fits. Um, Every state health plan has different regulations and how they deem the cardiac section. Uh, And if they have not been updated, uh, it you may end up having to amend the state health plan. So that's one of them. Hospitals, uh, as I said in the beginning, our opposition can create and expand on your timeline and extreme, uh, increase your expenses drastically. Uh, one of the interveners or the hospital's opposition uh, techniques is to delay as much as possible. So you have a fair hearing through your certificate of need process. You win or lose that, it goes back. The loser can ask for reconsideration through the court systems. So I had one program where the hospital uh, was just doing everything they could and it delayed the process about two and a half years before we ended up being successful with our CON. Their philosophy, as they told me one time, was as long as we delay this, we will uh, keep those patients. Not the best 
for the citizens of that state, but very effective for their uh, bottom line and operations. So I, I would say that they, you will see lobbying from the hospitals. I will also say that the real key to a program is patient selection. They are elective surgeries, but they're typically on sicker patients than we usually see within a surgery center. And that will require buy-in from the cardiologist to understand not every patient lends itself to this outpatient surgery environment. In our recent projections, we figured out about 30% will be will not meet the criteria outlined by the ACC and SKY. So when you're doing your projections, you have to take into account if somebody's doing a thousand procedures, not all thousand are going to come. Uh, typically, 70% will come, 30 will not. But when you're in the PCIs, uh, the uh, stenting, you'll be down to about a 40% acceptable level. And safety, as we all know, is the number one key to a successful surgery center. Uh, the patient comes first. Uh, the patient's safety is ultimate. And that's what we work towards. Thank you so much for going through that. I think that's fascinating to think about, you know, the dynamics between hospitals and surgery centers and as these procedures are able to be moved, whether from technology or other advancements in the field, you know, what's really best for patient care and keeping that in mind um, across all fronts, obviously, should be the number one goal for everybody. Um, and, and it's good to hear that that's been, you know, front and center for you as well. Yes, ma'am. Now, the surgery, uh, moving cardiac care to an outpatient surgery facility has many, many advantages. Uh, all of the typical ones we get, reduction in COVID and hospital-based infections. Uh, it's a patient-centric environment. There's less waiting times. And one of the biggest uh, that we found is that there is a delay in uh, a reduction in delay of care uh, because inpatient cases always seem to bump the elective cases. Uh, somebody comes into the ER with a blocked coronary, they get moved to the cath lab and the elective case waits. We're offering improved cardiac care access. Um, in addition, there is a huge savings in the Alabama project which was just over a thousand cases, the reduction in cost to the patients was about $430,000 in copays and deductibles. But there was a $3 million projected savings for the healthcare systems because CMS is paying about half of what they pay in acute care hospital, even if it's an outpatient department. So financially, it's significant, better patient care, better environment, and the physicians 
are at much more at ease. Uh, same way as it is with your ENTs, your orthopedics. Uh, but remember, cardiologists have never been exposed to an outpatient uh, surgery center until just recently. In non-CON states, they're flourishing. That Texas, Arizona, Florida, that is the largest growth areas. Not so much in CON states because of the pressures, as I talked about, from the acute care hospitals, claiming that if they lose this uh, revenue stream, they won't be able to offer care. Uh, in a recent uh, hearing, we found that not to be true, that the impact was uh, very, very little because the case numbers, once again, uh, are going to stay within the hospital. Uh, only the true elective cases will move to a surgery center. Absolutely. That's really um, great insight. Well, Jim, before we wrap up our conversation, I was wondering if you could share three pieces of advice for emerging leaders today. Yes. Um, I think the best thing, advice I could give you is perform your due diligence and financial analysis. And it needs to be a deep analysis. Um, their cost of entry is relatively high. The benefits, financial benefits, are very good. Uh, they, uh, the projected contribution margins are higher than most other services. You'll need to support. Uh, secure a buy-in from your cardiologist and be prepared for a steep learning curve for your staff throughout the whole facility. And planning is the, going to be your key in forming a team of your anesthesia, nursing, and physicians that are going to be performing the procedure and pay particular attention to the patient's selection. Overall, I really believe this is the next big opportunity for ASCs uh, to grow and expand those service lines. It's, it's just the natural way that we should be offering cardiac services. Absolutely, that's amazing. Jim, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been a really great discussion and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. I do too. And thank you again, Laura. And if I can be of any help to you or anybody, uh, please feel free to have them reach out to me.